Good morning, church. My name is Natasha, and I'm one of the pastors here at Knox. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and I just want to draw your attention to the bulletin. So if you have a paper copy of the bulletin or a digital copy on your phone, which you can find on our website, um, I've made a page of notes. Sometimes for me, the way that I learn best is seeing things kind of laid out in an orderly way. So that's something that I wanted to give you today um, as we open up God's word together. We all learn in different ways, and for me, having a place to take some notes is really helpful. If you didn't get a bulletin and you'd like one, I think there are still more. You can just slip to the back and grab one. Um, And uh, yeah, I hope that that's helpful for you as you listen to where I believe God um, is teaching us from today and the way that I think that we can follow Jesus together um, as a church community. I want to start with a quick recap of where we've been in the last couple weeks. We are in Holy Week. We are studying the the path that led Jesus towards his death and resurrection. Jesus has celebrated the Passover with his disciples, and he kind of told them what's coming. Judas has betrayed Jesus, and Jesus was arrested and had a trial. He was beaten. He's being led out of the city by this mob that wants to see him die. Um, This is a story of suffering. This is like immensely lonely, painful suffering. This is kind of the season that we're in as a church. This is a hard season to be in as we look towards Holy Week, and and we know the good that's coming, but right now we're in the middle of it. We are in the middle of this sad story. In the gospel accounts, we're walking through this route towards Golgotha, the place of the cross, and there's this little verse that everyone except John mentions. So in the middle of this procession, they say, They compelled a passerby, they forced a passerby, somebody coming up from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry Jesus' cross. One sentence. So earlier in the Gospels, Jesus has said to his disciples, you got to take up your cross and follow me. This probably didn't make a lot of sense to them at the time, or it probably wasn't especially significant to them. It's just an image. They didn't realize that Jesus was going to be carrying a cross in the near future. Unfortunately, at this point, most of the disciples have left. They saw Jesus get arrested, and they scattered. They might have missed this aha moment, so let's not miss it. Perhaps John, he's the only one that's mentioned at the crucifixion, maybe he went back to them and said, you won't believe what happened. It makes sense now. Perhaps he was the first one to have his eyes open to what it meant to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Perhaps this started in John the work that would propel him to lead the early church in some way and to really do what Jesus asked, take up the cross and follow him. We're going to look closely today at what's happening in this moment and see what does it mean for us to take up the cross and follow Jesus. Let's pray together before we do that. God of great compassion, creator of the world, I pray that you would hide me in the shadow of the cross and that your words would be heard, not mine. I pray that your voice would compel us to follow Jesus. Let your truth stick and let everything else fall away. May our eyes be opened. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dive in, I think that it's important to talk a little bit about interpretation. So when, when Reverend Nick said, hey, can you preach a message on Simon of Cyrene? I was like, it's, it's like one verse. How do you talk in a meaningful way for 20 minutes on one verse? It brought up some questions in my mind about the way we extrapolate from scripture. Is it okay to kind of imagine what's happening here? Or do we stick to that one verse? 
Um, I think, too, when we focus on one person in scripture, we have a tendency, especially in the way that we teach kids, to make that person more than they should be. To, to say, you know, you can be brave like Daniel and Esther. Daniel and Esther really are not the heroes of this story. Um, you can be faithful like Ruth. Well, you can be faithful like God. Um, you can be repentant like Zacchaeus. I don't know that we want to make Zacchaeus the hero of any story. Um, but in scripture, we do have these examples and testimonies of people who are doing their best or not their best to follow God. And um, we have examples of people who are walking and talking with Jesus as a human, which means something to us. We have something to learn from this. And so it's good to look at people in the story of scripture and say, how can I learn to follow Jesus from this person's example? How can I see God working in their lives and get a sense of what God might be doing in my life? That's good. This is a good thing to do together. And I'm not going to make Simon the hero of this story. He did a good thing. He stepped in and helped Jesus carry the cross. It's a good thing. But he is not the focal point of what's happening here. This is a story about a suffering Messiah marching towards his death and towards his resurrection. This is a story about a God who cares about a people who know not what they do. This is a chance to learn something from Simon. And as I researched, I found that there are some really significant things that we can draw from this single verse. I want to say right off the top, too, that a number of the thoughts that I'm sharing are taken quite directly from the work of Charles Spurgeon. He preached a sermon on this to his church in 1885. And as I read through this this sermon that he preached, I thought, this is so relevant for us. 150 years later, this, is, this, I believe, is still what God is saying to us. And so I drew a lot from what he, um, what he had wrote. And I just am so thankful that God's word is timeless. God's word is true 150 years ago and today. So what can we learn from these few verses? I think the first thing that we draw from this is that carrying the cross is an unexpected calling. I think we've got a slide for this one. There we go. So that'll help you if you're taking notes. Simon was just passing by. He was coming in from the country. He wasn't even in the crowd watching. He was trying to slip by. I think he found this whole experience quite unpleasant, and his heart was probably in his throat as he heard the centurion saying, you there, pick up the cross. This was not where he intended to be. He wasn't a disciple. He wasn't even a local. He didn't know anyone there. It might have been more expected for one of the disciples, or somebody who had been with Jesus, to be told to pick up the cross. But for Simon, this must have been such an unexpected experience. The gospel writers don't tell us much about him, because maybe there's not a whole lot to tell. This guy was nothing special. A dad from the suburbs. Simon's place in the story is less than likely. He lived hundreds of kilometers away from where it happened. Maybe he was in town for the Passover, Maybe he was a Jew living far from the land of his people, and he had always meant to come back. Maybe God drew him there for reasons that he didn't fully understand. Why was he there in that exact moment? Was it a coincidence? Was it chance? We don't know what circumstances brought him to that place in that moment in history. Certainly thousands of tiny decisions, tiny interactions led him to be there. All of those probably felt inconsequential to him. And yet, there he was, carrying the cross and becoming part of the most significant event that the world would ever know. What probably seemed like chance was actually part of God's pleasing and perfect will. 
You might be here this morning as just a dad from the suburbs. You might be a single mom from Brampton. You might be a student from Ajax or a researcher from Beijing. You might not know anyone here, and you might not even be sure why you're here. But somehow, you are. And I don't know what inconsequential moments have led you to this place. Why are you studying at the University of Toronto? It might seem like pure chance. And yet, God's hand is in it. God's goodwill is being accomplished because you're here. Maybe the moments in our lives that seem like they could just be a coincidence are actually this cosmically curated series of events that bear the fingerprints of this God who loves us and calls us and chooses us. It's an incredible mystery. But there's a lot that's unexpected. I think the second thing that we draw from this story is that carrying the cross changes your life. Simon was not planning on carrying the cross when he planned this trip. He might have been thinking about, oh, when I get home, I'm going to tell my kids that one time in Jerusalem, all this happened. But carrying the cross was not part of that. But God had a different plan. God's plan was better. God's plan was higher. God had a more important purpose than Simon did for this trip. God can put a higher purpose into any of our plans. Maybe you were just walking by this morning and you heard the music and you thought, I'm just going to come in and sit down. But yet, God had a greater purpose for you to come in here. Maybe you come here every week and it's just the thing you do. And yet today, God has a more important purpose because he's going to call you to follow him in a new way. There's this story about a woman and It's old enough that I cannot verify any details, but I read it on the internet and everything on the internet is true. So there was a woman sometime around 1835 and she goes to a dinner party and this pastor who she knows says, are you a Christian? And this woman, she, she had been ill. She had not been well. And she replied curtly and she said, I don't feel like discussing it. And he simply replied, okay, I'll pray for you. Two weeks later, she runs into him again, and she says, my heart's been stirred since you asked me that. I would like to follow Jesus, but how? I, I'm sick. I'm not well. I can't offer much as a follower of Jesus. And he just told her, come as you are. And that night, she went home, and she wrote a song, and it's become one of the most famous hymns that we know. It's a song that says, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. In fact, those words are the ones that the evangelist Billy Graham would play as he invited people to follow Jesus. And so for thousands, for millions of people who have decided to follow Jesus, those are the words that they've heard. Now this woman, Charlotte Elliott is her name, she probably didn't go to that dinner party expecting to become part of this story, this incredible story of people choosing to follow Jesus. But God took that moment and put in more significance than she could have dreamed of. In fact, in the moment when Simon stepped up and took the cross on his shoulder, God was putting more significance in than he could have ever dreamed of. I want to draw your attention to something in this verse. Hidden in this verse, it says, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why would the gospel writer mention that unless it meant something to someone? We don't know, 
exactly what was meant by that. But the only other place in the New Testament that somebody named Rufus is mentioned is by the Apostle Paul in Romans, and he says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has become a mother to me as well. So could it be that Simon's experience of carrying the cross that day catalyzed his sons and his wife to become leaders in the early church? Bearing this cross was the most unexpected circumstance, yet possibly something that changed the trajectory of his entire family. We don't know. It's a mystery, but that, that may be what's happening here. The third thing we see is that it's still possible to bear our cross today. It's kind of one of these like Christianese phrases that we don't quite know what to do with, like, bear your cross. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, but let's get to the heart of that. What does it mean to carry the cross? First, it means to follow Jesus. Become a Christian. Make an active choice to submit and turn your life over to the one who carried the cross for you. You make this choice publicly, too, just as Peter did in our church community a few weeks ago. You, you publicly bear witness to the transforming work of Jesus in your life. You align yourself publicly with the cross. And for some, this is an incredible burden to bear. Think of those whose families will disown them when they publicly acknowledge Jesus. Think of those even who are just really timid and really anxious about saying anything in public. Yet, this is how we bear the cross. For some of us, that is how we are called to carry the cross. And if you have a story of faith, if you have a story about what Jesus has done in your life, we want to hear it. Talk to me. Talk to Tamika. We want to hear the story of how God has worked in you so that you can bear the cross publicly. The second thing it means is to act like Jesus. Live generously towards your neighbors. Pray for your enemies. Preach the gospel. Love the city. Serve the world. This is bearing the cross. One hallmark of a life spent bearing the cross of Jesus will be the way that we stand up against evil and injustice. In a culture like ours, it's largely expected that you kind of shut your mouth when you see something that's not your business. Yet it takes courage to stand up for what's right and what's true, And this is a worthy cross to bear and one that takes incredible strength of character and conviction and belief that the transformation of our city and our world is possible and worth standing up for. For some, bearing the cross is more of a quiet submission to circumstances that, by no fault of your own, are not what you want. You might be in a workplace that feels harsh and difficult and you wish you could be somewhere else, but you believe that this might be where God has led you so that you can be a light in a dark place. Or maybe you live with family members or roommates who aren't supportive of your faith at all, and you wish that you didn't have to give them so much of yourself. You wish that they were a little easier. You wish that you could just live on your own, not deal with the difficult people in your life. Yet sometimes in that season, bearing the cross means submitting to that circumstance. It takes strength of character and discernment and kindness and the love of Christ, and you've got to stick it out until you see change or until you feel that you're called elsewhere. Of course, you know, you have to have discernment in those kind of situations. This is not carte blanche for people to abuse you. This is not permission for you to stay in a place that is beating you down in ways that are so deeply unhealthy for you. But if you can manage it and you can resist the temptations and the struggles around you, you should carry on. 
Your perseverance as you bear this cross will produce good fruit. Sometimes bearing the cross brings us into these places of deep communion with people who are suffering. So for Simon, you imagine he came alongside Christ in this moment of agony as he's walking towards his death. He was brought into this place with somebody who is suffering. And for some of us, carrying the cross means being a support to someone who is suffering in a lonely and painful way. This is holy work. There are some in our congregation who are walking with family members through the most difficult diagnoses of life-altering illnesses, and that's carrying a cross as you care for your loved one. For those who navigate caring for somebody who's mentally ill, you are carrying a cross, and it's difficult and painful work. The fourth thing that we see in this text is that unlike Simon— We're not forced to carry the cross by someone or some outside pressure, but we are compelled and invited by the inward work of God. We're compelled first by the love of Christ. Romans 2 says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. And John says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. It's that love that draws us in to bear the cross. The next thing that compels us is the glory of a life spent for Jesus. Now, you can spend your life on all sorts of things, right? You can spend your life making money, and when you die, it's kind of gone. You can spend your life making a name for yourself, but when you die, your name dies with you. You can spend your life gathering experiences and stories and um, pleasure and all of these things, which some of it may be so good, but doesn't have a lasting effect. The, the thing that has a lasting effect is a life spent for the glory of God, We're compelled, too, by compassion. So you might be feeling now even the the weight of the cross on your shoulder, and that's compassion. You might be thinking about the city around you, the desperate needs of people in your workplace or your classes who are just chasing something. People who have never known the love of Christ. You might be thinking of the pressing needs of those who sleep in our streets, the people who are new to our city, the burdens carried by the single parents in our neighborhood. Any of that compassion that's stirring in you is the weight of the cross, and it's yours to carry. That's a gift. For some too, bearing the cross today means just acknowledging that you're not satisfied. You might have come to Jesus already and received forgiveness, received a new heart, but you're restless. You're searching for something more. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you will find that rest that your heart is craving when you pick up your cross and you say, Jesus, I've come to you for forgiveness. I've come to you to have my heart made pure, but I haven't yet come to you for calling and purpose. And so saying to Jesus, I want calling. I want to know where you're leading me. Leonard Sweet writes this, There is no one-size-fits-all crucifixion. Jesus said each of us must pick up our own cross and pick it up each day. For some, this might be fame. For some, it might be anonymity. Regardless of what it is, first, followers ask daily, Lord, what is my cross today, and where shall I carry it? So I invite you to ask God, what what is the cross that you're being invited to carry? The last thing that I want to draw from this verse is that bearing the cross brings blessing to our lives. 
Bearing the cross brought Simon in close company with Jesus. Wow. He came from a distance. He was passing by, and now he is right with Christ. He would never have seen the face of Jesus up close, as bruised as it was, without coming to carry the cross. That, would, that experience would not have happened without saying yes to carrying the cross. It's my prayer that we would be, going, be willing to go deeper in following Jesus so that we would see him clearly, just like Simon did. That's a blessing, to see Jesus clearly. You know, we don't know exactly what it looked like for Simon to carry this cross. So some of the gospel accounts seem to suggest that he and Jesus carried it together for a while. And so I imagine Jesus is, is in front of him, and Simon comes behind and matches the Savior's footsteps one at a time, slowly stepping exactly where Jesus has stepped. And for us, when we bear our cross, we walk in the footsteps of Jesus. We move forward over rough terrain that we probably wouldn't have crossed on our own. We keep in step with Jesus, and we're not wandering off. We're not distracted because we are with Jesus, matching him step for step. This is a blessing. This is good. Bearing the cross was really good for Simon because he had the honor of his work being intrinsically linked to the work of Christ on the cross. He couldn't destroy death and vanquish sin. That work was Christ's alone, but he could help him get there. He couldn't die on the cross, but he could walk in its shadow for a little while, helping Jesus. We can't do the work of Jesus. We don't save people. But we can share in the compassion that he has for the world. We can't earn freedom for anyone, but we can say to those who are enslaved by sin, I've been set free. I've been, I've been set free from something. Hear my story. To participate in the work of Christ is good. It's honorable. It's kingdom work. This is the work of the church. This is a blessing for us as the body of Christ. Simon's life shows us that, although really unexpected, bearing the cross was this sacred calling that gave him purpose, that gave him glory beyond what he could have hoped for for himself. We won't always understand the purpose of what we're being called to do, but by God's grace, it may be the thing that transforms us. It may transform us in ways that we would never have imagined. As we follow Jesus and we carry the cross behind him, we hear, this is the way, walk in it. We're focused on our Savior with our whole attention, and that's good. As we close, I just want to take a second to mention that if the cross that you bear relates to walking with somebody through mental illness, I really encourage you to come to the seminar this afternoon because I think there are tools and there are resources that we can take as we bear crosses in our lives. We can encourage each other in that. And I think as the body of Christ, as the church, we need to keep finding opportunities to encourage each other in this work because it is difficult. There are crosses that we are called to bear that are discouraging and hard. And so invite people into your story. Invite people into your life who can pray with you and encourage you and speak truth to you when you get very discouraged. Because I think as a community, we can do that better. So think, too, this week about how can you do that for people? How can you be an encouragement as they carry their cross? I want to invite you to respond in reflection for a few minutes. In what ways are you being called to carry the cross of Jesus this week? Maybe it's one of the examples that I gave, or maybe it's something completely different. And how have you seen God's perfect will at work 
in what seems like random chance or coincidence in your life. Think about the path that's led you to be here this morning even. Where is God's hand in that? Amen.